and welcome to the Use Guys and That Podcast. I am your host, Jay Colo, joined by fellow hosts Chris G., Randy, and Angel, who is also operating the soundboard. You can check us out on our new website, useguyspod.com. We have a store and a resource page and uh, some recommended reading. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at useguyspod, patreon.com forward slash useguyspod, and you can email us both at info at useguyspod and useguysandthat at gmail.com. Today we have a friend of the host and of the podcast returning, Mr. Sal Mayweather. You can find him on Twitter. He is at Sally Mayweather. Insta is sal.the.agorist and saltheagorist.com. Sal, thank you very much for coming back onto the show. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. So I wanted to talk to you about the, uh, I don't know how a way to put it, the absolute shitstorm that you caused on uh, Anarchist Twitter. Like we, Which one? <laughs> which one? <laughs> <laughs> over over your uh, your stance on Kyle Rittenhouse, man. And I just wanted to say, like, first, like, w- whether anybody agrees with your take on it or not, man. Like, I was laughing my ass off at how many people, like, you literally got their panties in a twist, bro. It's <laughs> almost every day. It's almost every day now that I post something and the end caps just go. They just lose their shit on me now. Uh, that one was particularly fun. Because uh, what I thought was funny, first of all, some of the responses were just hilarious. But everyone's like, oh, Sal's really getting it now. And you know what's funny is of all the different times I've been canceled on Twitter for all of the controversies I've started in the last 10 years, none has compared to the Taylor Swift fan club. Oh my. Those people are, are insane. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait so pump the brakes here. Yeah, I, 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 the, I'm not familiar. The cast can't compare to the Taylor Swift fan club. What, what, did, you, what did you do? <laughs> I, you know what? I said something to the effect of – I don't think it was a meme. I think I just wrote something to the effect of uh, – if I remember the tweet correctly, it was like Taylor Swift made $360 million writing songs about her terrible choice in men, and today she just endorsed Joe Biden. <laughs> I wish oh, I could show you the DMs I got. <laughs> I mean, literal, like, literal um, pictures of Satan with, like, curses in Latin. I mean, like, crazy, <laughs> crazy shit. Wow. So, so really, like, something like this is just, like, that's, like, after that, the, you know, the end caps are nothing at this point. Uh, <laughs> that is, that is, that is rich, man. <laughs> now, where's the, okay, so the position, like, I'm trying to figure out, we tried to put this together last week. Now, of course, this was initially, I thought that he was a regular person, and when he blew the guy's bicep off, 
like I was like, okay, somebody fucked around and found out. That's on me because I was I know I just thought that you know, the communists were attacking people and somebody was armed and shot back and then is same here. Okay, so th- okay, so things started to develop and you're like shit. Uh, 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 this isn't exactly as cut and dry. So we tried to identify the factions. And by the way, I don't know. I'm sure you saw this, but Boogaloo Boys and Antifa were combined today. So there's uh, Antifa Boogaloo Boys. It's a, it's one thing now. It, it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It, it's it's it, like it's like the like just I'm waiting. You know, eventually people are going to have to figure out that the the agorists. It's not. It's not that we individuals get it right. It's just that the Agorist philosophy is so consistent that we're able to sort of not predict the future, but we're we're able to envision a little bit of what's going to happen more clearly than than the other factions will. Uh, I think that that's accurate. Now let's let's try to figure out exactly what the deal is here. Okay, so he's a 17 year old police cadet. I think I saw pictures of him. Like he looked like a little bit chunkier. In some of the pictures, so he lost some weight, <laughs> which is great. Now. No, 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 no. I mazel tov <laughs> to him. He lost a lot of weight. He looked, he, you know, looked reasonably good. He had uh, those purple, uh, uh, I guess, gloves on the rubber gloves on. I guess I don't know if uh, he was he rendering aid while armed or I, I don't. All I know. So some of the pictures I had seen of him like earlier in the day, it looked like he was helping uh, like clean spray paint like that was vandalized on buildings. Oh, okay. At least that's what, that's what, like, from earlier pictures, he was wearing the gloves then, too. Well, that's so, terrible because yeah. he's cross-contaminating now. Like, you have to change the gloves, bro. Like, <laughs> right. that's terrible. But the idea, so, bitch. the idea was that he's, first of all, like, the, like the left went apeshit because they thought the dude who he shot was, a, the, the guy's a felon who's carrying a firearm, which I, I don't really care about. That doesn't make me angry. Because it, it it doesn't matter. Like I it all it I, I don't care. It, I don't care. I don't care if felons carry guns. I I I used well, to carry one before the, I lost in the boating accident. What was that the the first there? He shot three. I'm talking about the last one, Mr. Okay. Bi- the uh, the bicep, the com- bicep the communist yeah, the missing a bicep. bicep blown okay. off, like close yeah. range with a five five six. Yeah, it it was epic, and you could see the bone and everything. But they first the left said like they 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 totally jumped the shark. At least they did. There are a lot of people that jumped the shark. They were like, oh, look at what happened. He shot somebody with a phone, and it's like. No, that's a Glock. That was definitely right, very a, clearly. I thought at least I talked to Chris about this. The way it was playing out. Now we can't be. There's no 100 percent certainty with what that guy's motivation was. But the way he, like this dude with the Glock was approaching the 17 year old bootlicker with the AR, it looked like he was going to get a coup de gras right to the head. Now that's that's what Possibly. it looked like to me. I I can't. Can you confirm it? No. But what? Why is it that people were so pissed off at you? Like, I mean, like, I was watching this as it was happening. I'm like, what the fuck did he say that was wrong? Like, what is happening here? You know, I th- I, honestly, I think what's happened is that, and I, I think I, I sort of saw this coming a while ago. I think we, we've sort of been infiltrated by, the anarchist movement has been infiltrated by right libertarianism. There was an episode, episode of uh, Pete's show, Free Man Beyond the Wall. <clears throat> he had Wally Conger on, like, about, I don't know, a few weeks ago, a month ago. And one of the things Wally spoke about was that the sort of march to the right that anarchism has experienced since Sam's death. And I think that's pretty accurate. And, um, you know, look, a lot of these ANCAPs are wonderful people, and I, I agree with them 100%. But there's a lot of these influencers within the liberty movement are a little bit more conservative than, than I would be. I'd say that most of them are probably to the right of me. Um, I think... 
a lot of times when they see something like this, they just revert to like hopping in helicopter mode. Oh, and Marxists, Marxists are dead. Wonderful. Like, I'm happy. As long as the commies are, are dead and shot in the street, I'm happy. Whereas for me, as an agorist, I'm approaching this from, a, from an angle of logical consistency. I'm saying, okay, where, what, what is Rothbard right about the ethics of, of, of self-defense and, and uh, uh, self-defense and punishment, right? So one of the things he speaks about is uh, proportion, proportionality, the principle of proportionality. Of course, these things exist on a spectrum, right? So if, I, if we're face-to-face -face and I crumble up a piece of paper and I throw it at you, you can't pull out an AK and, sh and kill me, right? That's, that's murder. Yeah. Now, if I take a brick and I lob that across the, the room at you and throw it at your head, then yeah, of course, you have the right to, to shoot and kill me. You have the right to minimize that threat. But it has to be within proportion. So <clears throat> when I initially saw, and of course, like right now, the narrative is still like sort of cloudy. No one really knows for sure. The timeline is still kind of up in the air. So I can only go off of the things that like I see on the internet on like videos and pictures and shit like that, just like everybody else. So what I saw was uh, the one the one dude, I guess, I don't know, he shot three or four people. Killed the killed. I think one dude lived. The dude with the arm, he lived. The other, everybody else died. So the way I saw it was, I see this picture of this dude smacking the flat part of his skateboard across this guy's back with one hand, like one of these Antifa manchilds, right? Yeah. And I'm like, that's no reasonable person would look at that blow and suggest that death may result from that blow, right? So uh, uh, the flat part of the skateboard where you put your feet. That being one-handed across your back, I don't think any reasonable person would suggest that that would, that would result in death. So if it's not a lethal attack, it doesn't justify lethal force. If the guy had a Glock in his hand, I didn't see it. And if he did, and he was coming at him like with the intent to shoot and kill, by all means, blow the guy away. Absolutely. So that's the first one. Um, the or that was the I think that was the second or third shot he took. Skateboard dude, skateboard was dude second was guy. the second one. Right, yeah, okay. he got it. He got it to the one chest. Was the the bald dude with like the, the reddish goatee that that right. fucking chased him and. So that dude it. was clearly like no good. That that dude was clearly yeah. like commie scum, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He was like screaming all kinds of shit. You could just tell. Like I looked, like he embodied Antifa, right? Yeah, yeah. So I don't. If here's the thing. Now, in the video, it's all it's like super dark. It's at night. It's shot from like half a football field away. Again, I can only go on what I see. So what I see when I watch that video is this dude being chased into a parking lot. He sort of takes cover behind a car, uh, turns around, and he sees this object flying towards him. It turns out to be a plastic bag, whatever. I, it, it, who knows what it appeared to him as? I don't know. But he sees this object. He probably, in, in the way I see it, he gets nervous. He's not used to being in a situation like this. He doesn't know what's being thrown at him. He opens fire, shoots and kills the dude. Turns out the dude was uh, shot in the back. So once you shoot somebody in the back, as far as I'm concerned, the self-defense claims out the window. Right? As soon as you shoot somebody in the back, you lose the right to claim self-defense, especially when it's at a distance. Uh, that, that, that's, so that, that's the second killing. Now, there, some people have told me that this dude tried to take his gun or something like that so if you try to take someone's gun by all means kill the person right if somebody tries to take your gun and you know they're going to do harm to you you have every right to eliminate that threat right it's all about proportionality if the person is across the parking lot and he's yelling at you or he's throwing plastic bags at you you can't shoot them in the back that's murder so that's basically where i was coming from with all that um the the dude with the arm 
I, all I saw was like a three-second clip of him running up to the dude or running past him or running up to the side of him, and he gets his arm blown off, and then the other guy in front of him puts his hands up. So that, as far as I'm concerned, is probably a clean shot. He's not going to run at him for no reason, and he didn't kill him. He just cost him his bicep. So he shouldn't have been attacking him if he liked his forearm. So, I mean, that's, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I – I you know what regardless of uh, friendship aside even if you disagree with somebody which is going to happen inevitably in life but the fact that you're trying to be completely consistent with principles for me is good enough regard even if I did disagree with you and I don't disagree with right. you because you've you've illust- you've made the case and it's apparent what I was kind of taken aback by and I guess what your point really makes sense with right libertarians, and if we're going to even give them that name, libertarians coming out and attack, like, you know, that's the problem that I had. We talked to Jeremiah not too long ago about anarcho-coalitionism, and we were, you know, we, of course, and it's it's partly my fault because... And comms always make me very nervous for many different reasons, none of which need to be gone over again because we all know what we're talking about. But the the the, the, the anarchist right, it, they can be just as bad. They really can. And this is a very clear-cut case because, like you said, they get into Hoppy and let's go you know, get Pinochet and a Black right. Hawk helicopter and start tossing people <laughs> out. Exactly. You know, I... And then they'll and then they'll talk. Then they'll in the next sentence they'll talk about the non-aggression principle. <laughs> yeah, that's that's extreme inconsistency. And at the point right. of this whole thing is to be as consistent, logical, and right. and actually apply the principle. Like you said, you know, Konkin puts forward the blueprint to carry out what Murray had talked about. You know, actually implementing it. And uh, the non-aggression principle is something that, like, once. If we're gonna if we're gonna suspend it for certain situations, then we might as well not have it. It may as well not exist because then if we can come up with one reason, we can come up with ten, and if we can come up with ten, we can come up with a hundred, and then we're right back where we're sitting right now. You know, I was say, next thing you know, we're the fucking state again. God exactly. damn it! <laughs> exactly, precisely. Yeah, I, I have a serious problem with that. Well, I just wanted to get your take on that. I didn't want to spend the whole episode rehashing it because like the that... other the other aspect of it too. Um, and I, I, I hesitate to even sort of play into the whole left right divide because I don't believe in it. But what I I, I think there's a, there's a certain hypocrisy to these right libertarians who uh, you know if you're if you're going to complain about property losses as a result of Antifa. You, no one's going to take you seriously if you're silent about things like civil asset forfeiture or the Federal Reserve, or if you're even complicit in, in things like that, which the Republicans and the conservatives have been. So, you know, I, how can I take you seriously when you complain about a million dollars of property damage when you yourself have committed or have been, like I said, complicit or supported uh, theft on a much larger scale, right? So, like, the the police have are responsible for much more property damage than Antifa could ever dream of, right? I mean, just one year of civil asset forfeiture alone far exceeds uh, anything Antifa has done this year. That's not to say that they're good people. I don't, you know, I, I don't support either side. I think there's just two factions of the communist left who are fighting. You know, one of the things uh, Sun Tzu says in his book, Art of War, he says, like, if you have two, two of your enemies are fighting, let them, let them. 
the important part is to not strengthen or weaken either one of them. You want to sort of uh, let them go at it without, you know, influencing the battle. I think a, a, a better take on that is to sort of you want an even fight. You want both enemies at equal power because then you're, they're going to drain resources uh, more quickly. So not that we should be supporting either one, but it just seems inconsistent, ineffective and hypocritical to th throw any support whatsoever behind uh, murderers like the uh, Policeman Benevolence Association or the Fraternal Order of Police or any Blue Lives Matter camp or anything like that. No, I think that that's absolutely fair. And, of course, it is true. And uh, it just it just goes to show, like, we have talked about it before, at least Chris and I, and I've talked about it with uh, Randall and Angel, all of us, that, you know, sometimes, uh, like, I am i don't know what it is. Like, conservatives, I don't feel entirely threatened by, like, my my existence. But when push comes to shove, it just makes me laugh when you, you know, you see the Gadsden flag and then you see the, the blue line flag, like, next to <laughs> each other. And it's always, it, you know, it's right. a Trump voter. You know, it's a, right. it's a conservative. Right. Like, these two things are diametrically opposed. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's like, hey, listen, yeah, I love my guns until i'm told to hand them in in which case i will you know uh, it's it's <laughs> right it's ridiculous because i've i've talked about this with uh, a fellow grad student of mine he wants to work for the fbi which you know i kind of vomit in my mouth a little bit every time we talk about it but I've, <laughs> i i told him i said you know and i'm gonna keep his name out like he's a friend of mine he's he's been a guest in my home and I, I like the guy it's just i think that he's misguided and he I've told him, I said, do you really think it's the military that's going to come to your house for your rifles? Do you really think? It's not going to be them. They're not dumb enough to do that shit. But the police who already are in your community, who already know everything about you, who already patrol the streets and know the neighborhoods, it's going to be them. It's going to be them. Because the worst yeah. case scenario, we have a, a friend of ours who was a, a, who was a retired 82nd Airborne 75th Ranger uh, Regiment uh, veteran of both the Second Iraq War and uh, Afghanistan. And I asked him, point by, I said, you get an order. And this is when he was working. I said, you get an order to go door to door. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll leave. We'll leave the base, and then we'll spend about eight and a half hours out and about, and then we'll come back and be like, you know, damn, we can't find any of them. We can't find a single gun among them. I don't know what happened. Because even they know what happens when you go door to door with people who have guns and you want to take them. I mean, they've already experienced okay. it firsthand. All right. Good luck. It doesn't work out well. Sure. No, it doesn't work out very right. well. Um I wanted to ask you, switching gears real quickly, I just finished up uh, From Aristocracy to Monarchy to, Demo uh, to Democracy by, by Hoppe. And you are far better versed than I am in explaining this. There was, once again, a meltdown on Twitter. Uh, not, not of your doing, sir. Not of your doing. But this was... Okay. This was uh, I'm like, which one now? <laughs> this is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this was Pete's handiwork, where he did that uh, that meme where he had anarchy is greater than monarchy, yes. which is great, and people fucking flipped out yes. over yeah. that. Now, list now. I I just finished the the, book, the audio book, and Hoppe does a great job though of shitting on democracy for what it is. Now, would you be able to explain? to the audience why why he makes the case for monarchy because from what my like i said i just finished it and it's an audiobook so i'm not able to take notes with it otherwise i'd end up crashing my car right. so uh if you would be able to elaborate on that on his position with monarchy because from what i understand that you can correct me if i'm wrong please that he made the case that with a democracy and you have a rotating 
um, uh, power head. Like you have you have a president or a prime minister that changes office every now and again. There's no investiture with the land as opposed to, um, again, this is fresh for me. But for a king to hand it over to a relative, they have a, uh, a more vested interest in making sure that the country or the land or whatever it is that they're ruling over is in a far better condition for their uh, for their successor, as opposed to somebody who they don't know and they don't care about. Is that does that is that is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, I think I think it is. Um, it's all about time preference, right? So the idea, Hoppe's idea here, uh, and uh, I think the the main book here is uh, Democracy: The God That Failed. This is this is like you know Hoppe's fifty dollar book on Amazon, but essentially the argument is exactly like you said the. A monarch, a monarchy, uh, a, a royal family has a greater incentive to uh, sustain the the country, right? They 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 have they have a greater incentive to see to it that it's governed efficiently, because in a democracy there is no owner, there, no one. There's no one who can say this is mine. But a, a king can look at the entire country and say this is my property. I want to make sure it looks nice. I want to make sure everything runs smoothly. And look, my children will inherit it, so I'm going to need it to be you know upright for them. And for their kids, and so on and so forth. So the the whole idea with Hop is time preference. Like, uh, and I've spoken about this. Pete's spoken about it. Um, you know, if you desire to consume goods uh, now, or, or rather than rather than delay consumption into the future, right? You you start to see things like you don't really care. Yet you, you, your whole life it affects your whole life. You become much more of a degenerate. Right? If you don't care about the future, you're more likely to do drugs, have unprotected sex, to do all kinds of bad shit. But if you're, you're more geared towards long-term thinking, you're, you're going to look out for yourself in a much more stable way. And I think Hop's whole argument is that in a monarchy, that, that's much more easily facilitated than in a democracy where no one cares. Right? One of the things he says is that democracy is a soft variant of communism. So you know, in Cuba, the, the buildings are in shambles because no one owns them. Uh, in America, the roads are in shambles because no one owns them, right? It's communism. And the, the same applies to any piece of land that's governed by the collective whole. Whereas, like, a, like I said, a king has, he wants to see his kids and, and their kids and generations. He wants the, the whole estate to be, uh, you know, he wants to pass it down and have the, his wealth, you know, be inherited. So it's all about time preference. In a monarchy, the government has a much, uh, much lower time preference you would say they're, they're geared towards the future whereas a democracy has a much higher time preference so it's a much more degenerate form of government but one of the mistakes the hoppians make is they think that hop is a monarchist hop's not a monarchist he 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 concludes that yes democracy is shittier than a monarchy but a monarchy is also shittier than capitalism and that's where Pete's whole meme came in with the three greater or the two greater than signs. And yeah, he, he did raise a lot of uh, hell now that I remember that meme. Yeah, it was a really good one. And people were having a meltdown. And, uh, you know, we uh, since, you know, I'm a political science major for uh, for my graduate degree. I, I see firsthand the worship of democracy amongst my peers because. And I was talking to Angel about this before the show, and I'm sure that uh, Chris and Randall have, and yourself, you've experienced this before. If you do say anything negative about democracy, you will fucking, like, it's, it's almost like the first time you heard somebody say they didn't believe in God. 
It's like, excuse me, what the pitchforks? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah. really, it's literally, it, it's really like you're, you are a witch, like you're a heretic. Like, what did you just say? But I think it's because people really don't understand what democracy is. They think democracy is okay. Well, let's all vote on something, and then what I want, it, it's gonna come in my favor, as opposed to what it really is. And I think that's why they get offended. They're like, well, well, well we live in a democracy, and. It's like, well, no, not really, but okay. Representative democracy. Right. Like, so I think that that's where it comes from because I don't think they really understand what a democracy is, which is the mob rules and the individual is lost. But they are still holding on to their individualism, thinking that that's part of the democracy. Or maybe I'm just being too generous to them, but that's what I think is happening. I I agree with all of you. I think you guys hit the nail on the head on all accounts. I think uh, just going to what you just said, I think like if, if you, you know, Tocqueville, I think it was, Jay, you can probably correct me if I'm wrong. It was the Tocqueville who said that once the people figure out they can vote themselves, obviously I'm going to paraphrase here, once they figure out they can vote themselves free shit, that's going to be the end of America. And he was obviously, he was correct. Yes, absolutely. And that's really the, the, that, that, that's the downfall of democracy. Um, but you guys hit the nail on the head also when you said, when Chris said witchcraft and, and pitchforks because... It's, it's blasphemy, right? Nowadays, to question democracy is blasphemy. And uh, that goes back to this whole idea of them trying to turn the state into a religion, right? It, they, they've replaced God with the flag and, uh, you know, the same thing. And if you question Jesus Christ in the 1600s, you are going to have a hard time. And if you question democracy today, you're going to have a hard time. Try questioning a democracy in a public school. If you're a teacher, you'll lose your job. They'll ruin your life, just like they would if you questioned christianity during like the insurrection or something like that it's just, or the inquisition it's the same same nonsense same sort of religious uh cult-like feeling you know here's a question for you uh and i don't mean to put you on the spot but i'd like to hear everybody's opinion on this including yours uh what do you feel about I'm I'm remembering a podcast that uh, Scott Horton was on with Thaddeus Russell. I and he talked about Scott talked about how he was really influenced heavily by this anarcho-communist teacher that he had in high school. And but she got him to think critically, basically paraphrasing the entire story, like to really question everything. Do you think that there's some legitimacy to uh, pulling a, a page out of their book and infiltrating their organizations and trying to influence or at least open the eyes of certain people. Like even if you get one out of a hundred or one out of 200, do you think that there's legitimacy to do that? Or do you think that that is, you know, to use uh, Scott's book's name, uh, a fool's errand? Well, I mean, you know, Sam certainly thought there was something to it. Sam was much more open to accepting leftist Although at the same time, he, he, he was very clear about the idea that agorism is, is the opposite of Marxism, right? They're, they're exact opposites. That's why, um, you know, I love Jeremiah, but I, I don't think that the whole idea of anarcho-coalitionism can work because I don't think there can be a coalition of Marxists and agorists, right? It's like having, uh, I don't know what the word is, it's like trying to have an army full of, like, Jews and Arabs, right? It's just not going to work out well. Uh, it, it's just, also... You know, I, I don't. I think last time I was on, we spoke about this. But Bob LaFave has a great little series on the Mises Institute SoundCloud, where he goes through the whole history of, uh, you know, these sort of anarcho-communist, anarcho-communes, and uh, experiments with voluntary collectivism. 
they all fail, and they all fail for the same reasons, like the normal, you know, reasons that all socialist economies fail: lack of incentives, corruption, et cetera, et cetera. None of those voluntary communes are around anymore for that exact same reason. So I don't think that. Um, by the way, the other thing too is when Sam died, he was working on a book called uh, Agora Contra Marxa. So it just goes to show you how clear he was about the distinction. So I don't think that uh, we can have a coalition of agorists and Marxists. With that being said, though, the Marxists are actually, they think that we were like their friends. It's kind of, sort of funny. I get a lot of Marxists on the internet who are like, well, at least he's not an ANCAP. But yeah, he's, he's, you know, he's, not, he's not our friend, but at least he's no ANCAP. And I'm like, yeah, but the NCAPs are closer to you guys because they're the ones who are voting. We're the ones furthest away from you, commie bastards, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I, I, uh, the issue that I had, we, uh, we had a blog post not too long ago where we uh, analyzed what, um, what uh, Stalin had to say about anarchists. And in the blog, we mentioned that uh, we're talk- when we talk about anarchists in the context of 1905 to 1906, we're not taught there's no such thing as an ANCAP. There's no such thing as a right anarchist. They're all, I guess you could call them, left anarchists for, you know, a lack of a better term. Either you're a syndicalist or you're an anarcho-communist or you're a collectivist anarchist. So, and even at that point in time, Stalin said that anarchists are the enemy of Marxism because the individual comes first for the the individual must be liberated before the collective can be liberated, and it's the inverse for uh, for Marxists. Therefore, anarchists are enemy number one. And of course, he demonstrated that really well after the Russian Revolution, uh, when the second in the Civil War, he killed everybody. Every every, every Nestor Macno had to leave. Like it's it's in. We wrote a, a blog post on it because I don't. I also don't understand this kind of soft allegiance that some of the. You know, like you said, some of the an- like the anarchists that identify either as without an adjective or anarchist left and Marxist, because I don't know. I think if you got a real anarcho-communist, like a non-Marxist uh, ANCOM, would even recoil at the di- at the, the idea of a dictatorship of any kind, let alone a proletariat one. You know what I mean? Because how you can be an anarchist and accept uh, language that says, "Hey, there's we're going to establish a dictatorship of workers." Well, w- w- wait a minute. We're supposed to overthrow all dictatorships. We're not supposed to make exceptions. So I I don't know where that gets lost in translation. You know what I mean? And I certainly don't want to be a victim of making friends with the wrong people when you know if the poop does hit the air conditioning and you know things play out. We like these people will come for you. They, they, they've made, they, they've done it time and time again. I mean, we have plenty of historical examples. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And the proof's in the pudding. Every single sort of uh, communist revolution, well, they all started off as like a workers' rights revolution, right? But in the end, they all wind up, they all start as a workers' rights revolution, but they all end up in concentration camps. Like, literally, there's I, there has never been a socialist dictatorship that did not need concentration camps to rule. From Castro's UMAP camps to Stalin's gulags to Auschwitz and Birkenau, it's never happened. To Roosevelt's uh, Japanese internment camps, right? Or to Trump's camps on the border. They need these sort of um, tools of terror to rule. So, you know, it, it's they all devolve very quickly. I mean, look at Che Guevara. He went from this ideologue to uh, becoming the uh, head of the Cuban Central Bank and this mass murderer. 
or like like you said, the great example with Stalin, how he went from you know this workers' revolution to just clearing out all of the individualist anarchists. So no, I totally agree with you. Um, if there were a commie who was uh, who wanted to start a voluntary commune, I would have no problem with that. I would warn them that I don't think the economics of it suggests that they could sustain that for too long. But I don't have a problem with it. I don't think it doesn't violate the non-aggression principle at all, in my opinion. Yeah, as long as it's voluntary. But the, the, once again, like, you know, my uh, my sister is, is starting to dabble in syndicalism now. She uh, she's kind of pissed off at the whole system. She, she's a radical anarcho-feminist. But uh, she, she sat, right now she's toying with uh, Malatesta and Deruti, and she's getting into that. And I'm like, you know... It, it 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 really doesn't work out, and I said, and she had to agree to the point. Not that I was trying to make her agree, but I just wanted to see if she'd be reasonable about it. And you, once you can, you prevent people from leaving because you're going to have a brain drain at some point in time when people realize that the food is running out. Because right. we we can clearly see that these people don't know how to manage a farm on any kind exactly. of like I'm sorry it just the, from from the Kohlholtzes that in the Ukraine where seven pe seven million people starved to death. Well, it's uh, hard work. You have to work hard. Yeah, there is a lot of hard work involved and a lot of. A well, lot re remember the fields of Chaz. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. That's they exactly what I was thinking of, man. Damn, I forgot that even happened. Like, I, I want to see, like, some video footage of, like, like that garden, and I want someone to play Sting Fields of Gold in the background. <laughs> they grew it on cardboard. They grew <laughs> They right? just dug up topsoil and put it on cardboard and just, come on, do a plant, please. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> Make a grow. They, they ran out of... <laughs> they ran out of food really Grow quickly, though. Yeah, like, when, how quickly did they run out of food? Style, they were asking know? for soy products within two days. I'm they, not even uh, joking. Yeah. They ran out of food Yo, in two it was days? Like the first weekend. Yeah, it was. But it just goes, it just goes to show you that, that you know, there, there can be no central planning, right? That you can't have a centrally planned economy. You can't have any centrally planned sector of, of, of any economy, right? Even if it's just one one particular one confined sector like agriculture, it just doesn't work. In fact, that's probably one of the worst to socialize because that's how you get famines and whatnot. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I uh, <clears throat> I want to know. I want to pick your brain a little bit about the upcoming shit show, also known as the twenty twenty election. Um, I wasn't able to get your predictions because we started now. I'm not going to ask you to place a wager because Angel's going to give me a hard time. No, I'm not. I'm just saying that this is this is part of a, a wager that we already have going on. An existing on. wager. Yeah, so no new ones until some of these other ones can get cleared off the board. Okay, apparently I've right. been asking too many people to gamble on shit. I just shit, need a so. bigger board. <laughs> I, I do need a bigger okay. whiteboard because the Gislaine Deadpool has filled up the entire thing. Um, <laughs> and she's still alive, right, guys? Uh, yeah, I've already it. lost. We yeah, you're out. Disappointed. Yeah, I'm gonna. That's a uh, uh, press F for Chris. We're gonna go ahead and yeah, put an X. Specs. All right. Okay. Well, so. Who knows? It might it might turn out in in next year that she's been dead the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. But we're but here. Okay, let's start with the political bullshit because this is gonna get interesting because I know that. Joe, they're going to fit him for some depends because he's coming to Cleveland to debate uh, Comrade Trump uh, at the Cleveland State University. I think they're going to have a debate up here, and it's going to be moderated by 
Who's the uh, Who's the guy that the uh, Mike Wallace's son is that Chris Wallace? Chris Wallace, right? He's the the Fox News guy. Yeah. Okay, he's going to be um, he's going to be moderating it. I guess that you can call it that. I don't know what it is. It's it's going to be a fucking circus, is what it's going to be. Yep. So okay, so all right, now we have here. Where where the fuck is it, man? Like That's I, what I tried to tell you. Angel, too much going there's too on, much dude. gambling happening here. We are just degenerates. We're, ah, we're I got already it. like a hundred quid in, like twenty here, twenty. There's five different bets going and on. And I spotted Aaron twenty bucks for the bet too. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, listen, I'm I'm a very nice guy. I have a Venmo. If any, <laughs> by the way, if anybody wants to support us, useguyspod.com. We have a store. We have wonderful merchandise available for you. You can help support the podcast anyway. Uh, so we're looking at, okay, now here are the Biden picks. Here are the Biden picks. We got me. I got him taking the popular vote plus 300 electoral votes. Chris has him taking the popular vote 285. Uh, Randall has him with the popular vote at 280. Now we do have some Trump people. Quincy picked Trump and getting only the electoral college at 306. Angel electoral college only do you guys realize what a meltdown we're going to have on our hands if he doesn't win a popular he won't win a popular vote anyway so if he does win it's going you think the rioting is bad now wait and see oh wait i can't wait for that shit show i'm rubbing my hands together like oh, come man. on okay and <laughs> Aaron, are already so expensive oh. <laughs> and aaron picked uh mr trump at 280 so sal you want to weigh in on a prediction here? You want to, you want to give us what you think is going to transpire? So, uh, first, I don't even, I don't think I don't like to call it um, an election. I think it's more of a, a selection. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, Same you know, who knows who the bankers will pick for us, right? Who knows which overlord, which zookeeper they'll install? Um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure it really matters. You know, the, like it, it's it comes down to a choice between a heart attack or a stroke. Either way, you're screwed. <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. I, who I think I'm is going to win? I think that um, I, I thought that Trump was going to win, but I don't know. You know, it, it, the people are so stupid that, <laughs> you, especially in large groups, you really can't put anything past them at this point. So I could totally see them trying to put. Uh, Kamala Harris into the White House. Um, you know, not that, like I said, not that she's any better than what we have. It's just, you know, like I said, it's a choice between a heart attack or a stroke. Either way, you're screwed. Um, right now, if I think if the election was held today, I would probably put my money on Trump. And the only reason why is because I think that um, people aren't. The whole message, historically, the whole message of law and order has played well to the electorate. Absolutely. Um, that and um, also whoever, especially in recent electoral politics, <clears throat> it's all cyclical. So you get eight years of one party, and then what will happen is halfway through, that party will lose the legislative branch. And then after eight years of an executive administration, people grow tired of it, so they vote for the other party. And then you have... Total control on both sides of ha the House and Senate, the White House, for four years, and then it goes back, right? Then they lose the House and Senate, and then they lose the White House. So it's all cyclical. So if that pattern holds, then Trump should win, but the Republicans should lose uh, uh, the Senate. Then you have a divided government. They don't get anything done. My favorite government is, is a divided government because they're basically at a, a, a loggerheads, right? They can't. There's nothing they can do. 
they can't get anything passed. So I'm hoping that we get a divided government eventually. I don't really care which way it goes. I really, 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 you know, th- there's trade-offs, right? So with Trump, you're risking trade war or a hot war with China, with Kamala Harris as your, because really Biden's just a puppet. Let's, let's be honest, right? If they get elected, it's going to be Kamala running the show. And her all she's going to do is institute an even further uh, socialized police state. Like the the socialist reforms that she wants are, she I think I saw one article putting her to the left of Sanders, you know. So I don't think Biden is like a communist. I think he's just an opportunist. Like he'll he'll say anything to get elected. I mean, he's held hands with Klan members when it suited him. So he he has no standards or principles. It's just none of them do. It's just a matter of what's going to get elected. But right now, if I think it was held today, I think Trump would probably win. But that could totally change. I think the other thing too is a lot of this. A lot of it depends on the Federal Reserve and which way they go with interest rates. Because if they tighten up the credit supply, the economy will contract and that will make a stronger case for Biden. But if they loosen up the credit supply, if they uh, uh, increase interest rates and make them higher, or I'm sorry, if they make them lower, then that, that bodes well for Trump, right? Because then there's going to be a fresh influx of cash into the economy. Everybody's going to be uh, fresh with cash. So. It, it, it does go back to the bankers and what they decide, really, at the end of the day. It's all up to the Federal Reserve. I think that that's also fair. Uh, here, here's another question for you. I did see something that Ivan, uh, our, all of our mutual follows here, uh, Ivan has no hands from his hands blowing up repeatedly with 3D-printed <laughs> firearms. He, uh, he saw that uh, somebody up in Canada got popped by uh, Her Majesty's Royal Canadian Mounted Police for printing um, uh, parts for firearms. And there was somebody up in Canada. I, I, I've, I've learned how to restrain myself from because I don't have an entire afternoon to argue with a complete moron. Like, I, I really don't have that kind of time anymore. And this guy was like, well, you know, here in Canada, because of our strict uh, gun control legislation, you know, we don't have as many gun crimes as you do in the United States. You guys care to refute that. And people kept showing up and kept saying, hey, listen, this, that, and the other thing. We're like, that's not an argument. No, that's not an argument. Well, that's not really true. And you guys are doctoring the statistics. And, oh, yeah, no, no that does include suicides and this, that, and the other thing. And it's, I came to the conclusion that the best thing to say is we don't care how many people get fucking shot. You're still not going to get them. Okay, and I'm going somewhere with this. I don't know if you heard this. I don't know if anybody heard this, you guys. But if anybody who's listening to the show gives their money to the fucking NRA, you better send your 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 twenty dollar communist Chinese bag that they sent you and send it fucking back to them, because it says here a former high ranking official with the National Rifle Association breaks ranks with the powerful gun lobby, publishing a book that accuses its leaders of decades worth of mismanagement and fraud. That says he has left the organization in a state of financial and moral disarray, and he also is now backing gun control. Uh, this is a former NRA person, like, oh, I, and and by the way, Mr. Trump puts that on his on on his lapel like the fucking American flags, like, oh, I'm an NRA member, you know, just except for fucking bump stocks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, yeah. like, how how a gun rights organization can advocate? Like, what guns are we talking about? Because when I was a kid, the NRA said it was about hunting. I remember those. I remember those arguments when I was a kid. They're like, oh, no, no, no. It's about our lifestyle. It's about hunting. And that's how they were able to. I think the NRA was in on writing 
parts of the legislation mm-hmm. that banned certain firearms for 10 years in this country. Okay? So how anybody can trust these fuckers is beside me. I, I don't understand. I mean, if you're going to give your money to an organization, me personally, I think the gun owners of America are far more, mm-hmm. like, I, I wouldn't even call them an extremist because my position is that we can all leave right now and go to Walmart and get an M60 without a background check, and I'm not even kidding. That's the way it should be right now, right now, because if the fu- if the if the military has it, I want it. But anyway, that's besides the point. But how this? Do you want nuclear bombs too? I, I don't. I don't have the insurance <laughs> policy for one of those, man. That's where it all falls apart. You know. I know. I, mean? I just right. hate that argument because that's what everybody always says in response to that. Do you want nuclear bombs too? It's like go fuck yourself. Yes. Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> if that's what it takes to get you to leave me alone, yes. I would, I would like Literally. one of those hunter killer drones, though. Those are pretty sweet. Which one of the what They're you mean, like one, for Terminator? Yeah, like no, like the ones that the government has that they can kill you, like the while, Predator. Yeah, I want one of those. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be nice to have, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. They don't sell them. I've tried. Aww. <laughs> uh, what do you, do, sale to the general public. Do you feel that we're going to see some sort of communist legislation put forth to start cracking down on 3D printing? Because here's. Here's the issue. I, I am I love watching the videos of Ivan refuting every naysayer, and he uh, tweet quotes them with him like fucking dumping a mag, and it's beautiful, and it's art, and it's wonderful, and nothing breaks and nothing explodes. But at the same time, I'm like shit. Big Brother's also watching this and wondering what they could do about it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely, 100%. I think that. Um... This is why Ivan is, is, is a damn king as far as I'm concerned. He, he's Absolutely. probably the most successful active counter-economist today, in my opinion, or at least top top two, in my opinion, uh, most effective counter-economist, because he really did essentially end the gun control debate. Right? Cody sort of laid out the, laid out the blueprint, but Ivan was the one who executed it. Uh, that the day the gun control debate ended was the day that Ivan uh, ECM'd a barrel. <clears throat> that, that, that was the death of gun control. Now, uh, you're 100% right. I think the NRA, a lot of these different interest groups, the NRA being one of them, it should be clear now that these are basically, in my opinion, these are, these are federal government organizations, right? Mm-hmm. These are, uh, they're just infiltrating the, the liberty movement. And... Uh, the NRA is a particularly shitty one, but that just goes to show you how important the work that Ivan and Turns dispensed, how important that work is, because now it's over. It doesn't matter. Who cares? They can pass all the laws they want. It, the, the information is out in the public domain now, and it's you, you can't ever take that back. There are people all around the world who have SD cards with these files on them, and as long as one person has them, they're going to be out there in the public domain, and that, that, you can't stop that. So... You know, there's no doubt there's going to be some extreme gun control laws coming as the collapse sort of speeds up. Um, you know, a lot of people say, well, when's the collapse coming? And I'm like, well, look around. We're, we're in it. You're halfway through it, right? So a- as it gets worse, uh, they're going to – they have to pull that, that right to bear arms away. You, they don't want you to defend yourself from them because, you know, this is just the beginning. We see riots in the street now. Give it 18 months. It's, it's, you're going to have bread lines in this country. And I've been saying this for a while, and I've been wrong, but you know, um, eventually, based on the laws of economics, it has to happen, eventually. Uh, 
so yeah, I, I think it's coming, but I don't really care because, like I said, the, the with a three D printer, the gun laws are are nullified. That that that's over. It's like Bitcoin. Who cares about inflation at this point? Because it's over. Like I had a tweet the other day where I said something to the effect of, three D printing will do to manufacturing what Bitcoin did to banking. And so, some of the responses I got were, oh well, nothing. Bitcoin hasn't done it hasn't done anything. And I didn't. I can't respond to every argument, so I just I kind of like just keep it in my head. But it's it's like, well, I haven't paid for, to murder a child in seven years. I haven't paid the inflation <laughs> tax since 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 I started using cryptocurrency. Yep. And I have to be careful what I say here, but you know, um, it might be the case that some people the gun laws don't apply to them anymore. Some agorists out there who have three D printers. Gun laws do, do not apply to those people anymore. So that that's the power of counter-economics. That's why I, the work that Ivan has done is so important. That's why people shouldn't give money to the NRA. They should leave the NRA and buy a 3D printer. If, if you think about all of the money donated to the NRA and, and even these small government Republicans, if you add all of it up, it hasn't done one iota, it hasn't made one iota of a difference compared to what uh, the 3D printer has done. Here's a question. Uh, do you think that, uh, since you're a student of history, uh, and I know that, uh, the rest of the group also will understand this, do you think that this is similar to what maybe Romans living in Britannia were experiencing as the empire contracted? Like, you know, the bathhouses were still running, the roads were still paved, the legion was there, and this one day... One day, the Roman-appointed governor, governor comes out and says, you know, hey, guys, um, it's been real. We appreciate it. But um, they've told us to move our ship back to Gaul. So we wish you the best of luck, and uh, we'll be seeing you around. And then they just disappear. Like, because I always wonder if people are, like, at the time, it's not so much the same as, like, the, the Visigoths coming in and riding into Rome. Um, that's an entirely different experience. But when that slow decay, and then it accelerates to the point that it's here today, and then tomorrow, the currency you go to use is no longer accepted because it's worthless. It's literally worthless because there's nothing backing it. And the legions have packed up, and they've gone home. Like, do you think that we're, like, we are experiencing something similar to that? You know what I mean? Where it's that we're, we're kind of in the water already, and it's boiling. We know it's hot, but we don't really know how hot it is. Absolutely, absolutely. And this is how, this is one of the biggest problems that states have. It's not just us in Rome. This is a pattern that's been repeated throughout history. So, Saifedean Amis, who him and I don't really see eye to eye on too much in regards to cryptocurrency... But he's got this book called The Bitcoin Standard, which I do not recommend reading for Bitcoin purposes. But in the beginning of the book, he's he goes through a sort of uh, history of the world using the lens of sound money, which I think is very great. And uh, again, it goes back to time preference, right? So the Romans, as they started to debase their currency, the time preference of their people became higher. That's why you start to see uh, degeneracy of... Uh, you know, people using opium in the bathhouses and uh, all sorts of nonsense, these prolonged wars enabled by inflation and all these like cor the corruption and on and on and on. All of this is symptoms of uh, cheap credit, easy money created by money printing, by inflation. And that's exactly what they're doing today. And that's the exact same effects that we're having, right? The, I mean, down to a, the T, prolonged war, uh, cultural degeneracy, as so on and so forth. 
but it's not just us and Rome. Uh, you know, it goes on and on and on. Um, African societies, Middle Eastern societies, Oriental societies. Anybody who's ever inflated the currency to the point of no return has gone through this process. We just happen to be unfortunate enough to be living through it, right? Like we can't be living through the gold standard, like the, the, the age of the gold standard with immense, incredible economic growth. We're living through the opposite of economic decline brought about by corrupt politicians and their banking cartel that's funding them. That's really the biggest enemy that, um, that we have is the Federal Reserve. I really believe that 90 to 95, if not more, 90% of our problems can be traced back to the central bank because it wasn't for the money printing, the state could never afford any to get away with these crimes. Well said. Uh, I appreciate the book recommendation. We'll have to put that in the notes in case anybody wants to check it out. Uh, yeah, I, it, it's a good one. The, the history, you guys, if you guys are history buffs, definitely check out like the beginning of it at least. Um, because like I said, he goes through like the whole like history of um, how yap stones, the different currencies were debased. And he, he does a really good job of the history of it. Definitely check it out. Uh, will do. Um, I think I've dominated the time enough for the entire group. I'd like to throw it out to the floor. If Angel, Chris, or uh, Mr. Randall uh, have anything that they would like to uh, get into, please take it away. I do not have anything. I was just, uh, I have Metallica Four Horsemen stuck in my head. That's that's it. Great work. That's all I have right now. Great, great work. <laughs> I just Randy, you've been taking notes. Good for you. Yeah, I have a I have a list on Amazon right now of all the books that I need to get. <laughs> oh, man. It uh, never ends. So I, I was gonna say I'm I'm depressed at the thought that I need to start doing that too, and <laughs> uh, so it's daunting because it's like yeah. I still have so much shit I need to finish, and it's like fuck, I already have more that I need to do, but it's all I mean, I've got time. Same. I just need to manage it properly. Same here. My pile of to read books is is just incredible. It's like I'm just I'm just drowning in books that I have to read. My my pile of books to read is insane. But um, check out uh, Audible. I, I think a good way to, to sort of mitigate that is by doing audiobooks, which I don't know yeah. if you really retain as much information, but you get through them a lot quicker. No, I literally just bought a what was the book by Hoppe you guys were talking about? I literally just used an Audible credit to get that while we were recording this because I had one laying around to use. So I didn't even know that, that was on Audible. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, I gotta check that out. You can order it on Amazon and it's through Audible. Uh, you can. It's like one credit. Which I don't one? I don't even know how you get credits, but I had twelve of them. So Which I just one? Got that audiobook for free. Is it from Aristocracy to Monarchy to Democracy? Yes, that one. Yeah, because unfortunately, Democracy the God that Failed, if you speak German, you can listen to it. But there isn't an English version one uh, yet, okay. which I oh, I can't understand okay. why. No, that's the one I just finished, and it's phenomenal. And it, and I don't, rem I don't know if you remember, Randy, when we were talking about uh, uh, Pete's uh, Monopoly on Violence. I forget which gentleman it was from the Mises Institute that talked about, like you and I had spoken, about taxation and how it was a rare occurrence. It wasn't on every single transaction, every single day, no matter what. It was usually when there was a war or it was just once a year or what have you. And that was in that was um, in the documentary that we talked about. And he kind of talks about it also in this book a little bit. 
that we get, you know, the amount of taxation that we endure. And then I saw another meme today that kind of pissed me off because it upset me because it was um it was about King George the Third and how like we rebelled over a you know a nominal like almost uh, pennies worth of a tax. Uh, on 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 goods, I think we, I mean, we called them the intolerable acts, of course. But I think it was on paper and tea, and we went ape shit over that. But now we're paying upwards of fifty percent in some places. I know where you live, Sal. It's sir, it fucking ain't cheap for nothing. Um, I know I had relatives that lived in Pompton Lakes, New Jersey, and the house that I owned, I purchased out here for sixty-two thousand dollars. I know if I dropped it into their neighborhood, I'd be looking at a quarter million dollar piece of property. Because and that's and the property taxes on top of that were were egregious. I mean, fucking egregious. And I believe New Jersey's at one of the one of the bottom states for education. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that something that all of that fucking tax money that people get extorted for doesn't translate into better grades? I wonder why. Yeah, it's, the roads are kind of shit there too. Everywhere I've driven around in New Jersey, at least the whole state is shit. Anything that the, <laughs> the, the, the public touches, anything that Phil Murphy comes near, he's like the opposite of King Midas. It doesn't turn to gold; it turns to shit. <laughs> <laughs> but the ironic part about that, that connection you just drew, Jay, between uh, the poor schools and uh, uh, the what, what was the other one we were just talking about? The, my, my, just drew a blank. The property taxes. Property yes. So they have the Abbott rulings here, which is this insane policy that the state Supreme Court ruled on about how it's not it's not in, it doesn't comply with the state constitution of New Jersey to have unequal educational funding. So, in other words, you can't have a child in Newark. You can't have the Newark school district spending ten thousand dollars per child if the Mendham school district is spending six hundred thousand dollars per child. That's that's unconstitutional, according to these idiots. So the way they mitigate that is by jacking up the property taxes of places like Mendham, and then they redistribute those funds to the schools in Newark and Camden and Patterson, all these like shitty urban areas. And it's had the exact opposite effect. It has only made the schools worse because anything the government touches turns to shit. (laughs) So the more money that they throw at the schools, the worse they get. So it's like this, they're stuck in this cycle of high taxes leads to worse schools, leads to higher taxes. Because then as the schools fail, then the next thing is, well, they need more money. <laughs> of course. You know, it's, just, it's a joke. Speaking a joke. of schools, have you guys seen there was this uh, teacher who had posted something along the lines of if if the parents get to listen to my instruction during yes. out the day, like for Zoom or, or whatever, you know, shit that they're using. Yes, yes. Um, then I get to you know, watch during bath time. I get to watch you bathe your child. To make sure they're hygienic. Yeah. Like, I I hope they're not a teacher anymore. I I, I don't know. They probably still are. Like, the teachers union. I heard it was a... Yeah, I heard it was a parody account. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's good because I didn't. I yeah, saw that got, shit and I'm like, yeah. gross. It had, it, had a, it had a bunch of people <laughs> in a twist, man. But like, like a bunch of people said, like if you go back and look at the tweet history, like you can tell for sure it's a it's a parody. Yeah, I, you I know, just saw it. The line between satire and reality now is oh, just so right. very thin, brother. Very thin. <laughs> brother, he got me. He got my ass yesterday because I was like, your post sucks, fuck you, which is kind of like my calling card. It's my favorite meme 
to post on a, on a real nice hot take. I lay that nice piece of shit on top of theirs. And then I, I went through the tweet history, and I was like, you know when I knew I was had? When the dude said something about, like, you know, thank God for the WNBA so I can gamble on sports. I'm like, this guy's f- – I just, I just got had. I have to own my shit. This guy just had me because that's fucking funny. All I saw was that, and I was like, that's gross. And that's all I said. I didn't even, like – I just put gross. Like, oh, it you just disgusted seen, me. You should have seen, like – I know Chris saw it. Like, all the wood chipper fucking memes that showed oh, yeah. up. Because oh, now yeah. everybody here's the problem though. Go chipper go burr. But here's... let's be honest. Let's be honest. If it if it came out tomorrow that that was a real tweet, we would we would we would not be that surprised. No, right? not at all. No, uh-uh. no, 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 not at all. That and that's what gives it that air of believability for that's a lot what I'm of people. Well, did you guys see what's going on down in Texas? Like, I got really upset yesterday because there's a young nine year old girl who um, I think there was a TikTok video she made. That uh, like this like she's being apparently she is alleging that her stepfather is sexually assaulting her, and by with her stepmom's not only her blessing but she's watching it happen, and uh, this little they they took it to some sort of judge and the judge ruled that the little girl had to stay there I guess and apparently there's an entire militia rolling out to where this person is. Like, the the thing is, like, I'm not going to say one thing or another. Everybody already knows how I feel about people who like to hurt children. I, that's It doesn't need to be rehashed over and over again. If you've heard the show before, you know that our position, and I consider it to be the moderate one, is for certain things to happen. With that being the case, though, I find it interesting that, you know, the other day, well, no, not the other day, I think it was last month, they found uh, she's not even Antifa. She was just some asshole white girl who was throwing Molotovs and torched a police car. But they were able to find her based on the custom t- uh, T-shirt that she had Etsy, made. The, yeah, or, on Etsy. Yeah. yeah, they can do that. But boy, they just can't seem to find where all these fucking kids are getting trafficked. They could find they could find you if you torch a police car. But if you're fu- <laughs> if you're trafficking little kids. You know what? We just don't have the resources, guys. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know how we put up with this shit. I don't know why people aren't like they're they're fucking little kids. Like, this is never okay. Really upset. Look up California Senate Bill 145. Have any of you heard about that yet? Yeah. No, I haven't. Please make me angry. So basically. You're I don't really know. Like, if it's like I think it passed their state senate. I don't know if it's actually like a thing that's <laughs> happening yet. Um, I need to read more into it. But basically, let's see here. Uh, this bill would exempt from mandatory resignation on a sex offender list under the act of a person convicted of certain offenses involving minors if the person is not more than ten years older than the minor. So as long as you're within a ten year window of the child that you are fucking, you don't have to mandatory mandatorily be registered on a sex offender list so an 18 year old and an eight-year-old that's what it sounds like like it's there's no there's the no other details or like binding state like there's nothing that's literally the it. best part is the guy who wrote the bill His is, name is... <laughs> he, he's a convicted uh pedophile or no sex way. Yeah. jesus christ yeah <laughs> Holy so, shit. You know, I can't help but laugh at the absurdity of that. But I man. think it's it's like passing. It's making it through the steps. No, like, it can't. No way. I mean, California is fucking crazy and it's full of bullshit. But like, really, they're gonna do that? You guys think they'll do that? They'll pass that it through? Passed state assembly forty-one to eighteen. <laughs> and what? state senate thirty-two to ten. Oh my god. 
There's a, there's a fucking there's a glitch in the matrix somewhere. Like I uh, <laughs> I we have like somebody restart this fucking program. Yeah, and start the, the, it. The, whatever. <laughs> whatever the worst thing is, whatever the worst option is, is the option that the state is going to go with because they are they are they are the embodiment of evil. So whatever whatever the wrong answer is, that's what we can expect from these uh, politicians. Yeah, I agree with you. I was talking to Jay about that the other night, like how you can't get anywhere or do anything. Everything is just like roadblocked. And it used to be like you could just go and you could get something done and somebody would fucking help you. And you can't get anywhere. Everything is like purposely set up to like confuse you and make you go in a circle. It's ridiculous. That's that's because I think, you know, again, I I think that – People are sort of like, well, when's, you know, we're going to have a collapse pretty soon. The, the economy is going to collapse. The country is going to collapse. And I keep telling people it did. Like, I, 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 it, it happened in March. We're living through it, right? That, that's, that, that's what all this is about. We're, you know, it, it's, it all comes down to, again, the Federal Reserve and inflation and the bankers trying to protect the government's monopoly on violence. But this is all part of it. This is like, again, going back to the cultural degeneracy and like it's, it's all a symptom of the, the decline of empire, like what Jay said about Rome and stuff like that. This is all exemplified in that California bill, right? Because it if people were. close vote. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I, I bet you they've passed worse. Uh, yeah. I don't oh, want to think about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to think about it either. And you know what? So, so, so to sum it up, like you're not saying that Rome is burning. It's already burnt to the ground. <laughs> Essentially, yeah, yeah. There might be a few embers left, but it's 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 done. The the, the fire is out of control. Coming. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I guess the 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 Visigoths have already gone through the city. Like it's. I mean, in a certain sense, Antifa could sort of be analogous to the Visigoths, right? They just sort of haven't sacked Rome yet. They've sacked the surrounding city states. That's true. Like they're making they they've literally crossed the Rubicon and they're like heading down the peninsula on their way to the city. I guess that's a way to right. look at it. They went from Seattle to Portland, and you know, next will be who God only knows where. Well, I mean, hopefully they go to uh, Lightfoot's house out there in Chicago and torch that fucker. I'm sorry, I'm advocating for it on this show. <laughs> Did you see the the um, the mayor of Portland? Yes, his biggest defender. They burned his yeah. house. <laughs> I didn't. They really did. Oh yeah, yeah. The condo complex. Yep. No, I love it, man. The animal is out of control. You can't. You cannot put a leash on that fucker, man. It does what it wants. It's beautiful. And then he and then he came out and he said something like, um, "Oh." And Portland is burning because Trump's a racist. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, well, then why the fuck did they burn your shit I mean, down? You can't make this shit up. Spielberg couldn't make this shit up. No, no, not, not, oh not, not at all. I, uh, I think it's uh, – I think may we live in interesting times. Well, I think all of us have had <laughs> enough of living through historical events. I could tell you that much. Right. Right I just get right. really fatigued. Like I see something or I read it and, you know, I mean, I'm not the like – most intelligent person in the world. I'm smart, okay? I'm not, I'm not like dissing my own self here, but I get it, yeah. You know, I read something and I'm like, have I lost my mind? Like, and I question myself, like, I question my sanity because I read it, I get fatigued, I sigh, and then I get angry. And then I think, something's wrong with me because it happens quite often. Like, it's just things are just not right. You know, no, it's to not. go back to I what Sal said. I just telling myself it's a simulation, and then that makes it all easier. I mean, it sure yeah. seems like it. And like, it's accelerating too. The collapse, like that's the yeah. whole thing. Like it's going to pick up the pace. 
You know, as you get closer to a black hole, you start swirling around faster. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Yeah, that was really good. You know what I worry about, too? Like, as this begins to really implode, think about, like, you know, in a feudal system where you had the king and the king leased land out to the, the barons and the earls and the counts and the entire aristocracy, and then they leased it out to knights, and then the knights had serfs that lived on. Like, who the fuck do you think are going to be the knights in this thing? It's the goddamn police. Exactly. So, great. Now we have that to really look forward to because you think they're fucking bad now? I mean, wait and see. Wait and and see what happens. You know, back in the day when when the knights did something that the government liked, what would they do? They would have this ceremony where the, the king or queen tapped them on the shoulder with this sword and it was very, like, formal and stuff. Well, now when the cops shoot somebody, they, they go through a very similar process. What a great job you've done. You get two weeks paid vacation and, and a raise when you get back. You'll get a nice desk job. It's just it's the same thing. It's just they've changed the tactics. That's a really good point. I, I didn't even I, think about yeah. it that way. That is a, that's an excellent point. And Dave Grossman always talks about them being like knights patrolling the countryside. But Mr. Grossman, is, hit, listen, I'm going to shit on him for the right reasons. If you look at his psychology when he talks about, like, there's, there's two books he wrote. There's, uh, like, and Brian, uh, excuse me, uh, Randall and I read them both. Okay. <laughs> on combat and on killing. On yeah. combat and on killing. The, the psychological cost of killing in society, I think that's the, um, the subtitle. And he goes through how the government had to find ways to get soldiers to kill because when they would examine battlefields, especially in Europe, dealing specifically, I believe it was with the Prussian army, that they would find that 85% of the time the men would be missing their targets. And they thought, now, this is after the rifling of muskets, I believe, because this is this is well after it. So we're not talking about smoothbore where if you're not within 30 yards, you're kind of fucked. You know what I mean? Like, this is this is a rifled weapon that is far more accurate. Well, men were purposely missing, so they were trying to get the, uh, I, I don't know if I, the right word is algorithm, but they were trying to tap into the brain to see how they could get condition you to kill. Well, up yeah. until Vietnam, it was, they were using uh, round paper targets that they were using, or not maybe not paper, but they were using round targets for soldiers to dial in on. Then they switched it to human silhouettes. And it's now fu- they got faces on them and shit. It's now, crazy. Now they have faces on them. What's interesting yeah, is photorealistic. the not go- the right ones though. No, no unfortunately <laughs> not. And we all know what faces should be on there. But what's interesting is that the government, like, it is so like it, and even in the book that he talks about Vietnam vets that were in the shit, where they would come either eye to eye with a Viet Cong or a North Vietnamese soldier. And they would both stare at each other, and one would shake their head no, and the other one would shake their head no and back away from each other. Because even at the most primal level, most humans do not want to fucking kill each other for whatever reason. They don't. It's just it's something that people have a hard time with. And he's talking about how the government try is, is trying, like, literally putting, like, God damn it, we got to figure out how to get these fucking assholes to really want to kill each other, you know, to be yeah, okay with they- it. It's muscle memory. It's literally the target comes up and you shoot. It's you don't think about it. You don't have to think about it. So it negate because proximity is what makes it hardest. You get to see everything that makes them a person. You don't get the dehumanizing propaganda. You don't see any of that racism. You see them as almost like a mirror image of yourself, at least symbolically. So if they can mitigate that and just like the second something pops up, bam, it's right there. You don't have to think then. I mean, you'll think about it plenty afterward, I'm sure. But yeah. it's like 
you don't even have a choice almost. Yeah, you're right. Time. You're right. Are you guys familiar with? Uh, uh, I think it's called just the the Christmas truce. <clears throat> oh, absolutely! Yeah, from World War One. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, for, just for the listeners, real quick, it was like Christmas Eve, I think it was, and uh, the 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 Germans and the Americans, or the Germans and the British, the British. Uh, the, yep. Yeah, right. They had heard Christmas music or something like that, so they all came out and they ended up celebrating Christmas Eve together. And the next day, they went back to their sides, and they resumed orders from politicians to mur- to murder each other. Yeah. So they celebrated Christmas w- with each other, and then six hours later, on the orders of politicians, they killed each other. So it just goes to show you how uh, sheep-like the average person is, that they're willing to kill for, you know, the political class. It is unfortunate. Politicians aren't the ones going out doing it. No, of course not. Of course not. And what's terrible about that Christmas truce is that when the troops came across, it was 1914, the Germans were singing, and then they made like these, make, they, apparently in Germany they put candles in their trees. I don't know if that's a, a tradition passed down. For, I know that the Nordic people do that from Yule, and they put you know the, the, the candles in the trees to symbolize the stars or what have you, that light is in the house, and it's the longest day of the year because it's the 21st or what have you, and then the Christians adopted it. But the Germans were doing that, and they were singing, and they were popping their heads over to see, and then the British would start singing in English, and that's when they, they went and met in no man's land. And uh, the books that I've read, like Command on both sides, was like, this shit may never happen again. It cannot happen again. Because, exactly, yeah. Because they real and there's another incident. It was really comical in the middle of this fucking awful war. Uh, the, the trenches flooded. Between uh, French and German trenches, I think it was 1916 or 1917, I forget what part, I'll have to look it up. They, uh, they flooded so badly during a rainstorm that they were all, like the enemy, both enemies were standing in, in no man's land, kind of like looking at each other as their trenches flooded. And then some guy, I think it was Louis Bastiat, who, uh, who, who wrote the book uh, Poilu, was uh, talking about his, um, I'm, I'm probably getting his name wrong, but he, he survived the war. And he was a socialist, and he talked about how some how a German was so mad that he stood up and started, you know, speaking in French and saying how this isn't our war; it's the riches' war that you know, you know, we should be united. And they started singing the Internationale, you know, before the communists took, you know, certain anarchist phrases out of there, and they, you know, put their own in, uh, and they started singing the Internationale in the middle of this rainstorm in no man's land. And once again, command was like, "This shit isn't happening ever again." Because you can't let the proletariat realize exactly. that they have more in common with each other than they do that these fucks, either exactly. in Konigsberg, Berlin, Paris, or fucking London. What's terrible? Like World War One always gets me, man. Like the the Battle of the Somme, you had twenty thousand kids die in an hour, in one fucking hour. They're like, yeah, right? That, that was a bad one. Oh my god! Like I couldn't. The dumbest war that I think was ever fought, probably. Oh yeah, and the yeah. Reason why everything's so fucked up today? Yeah, yeah, you know that. Yeah, literally. I, I, I also. I can't, sorry, guys. I hate I Gabriel Prince. I gotta go do. Uh, so I gotta sign off here. But it's been great talking to you. Good guys. talking to you, man. Yeah, it's great to finally uh, get to talk with you. Yeah, we'll do it again. Missed hopefully. the last time you were on, but I love you guys. Uh, sorry for that. Love you too. Love, hey, <laughs> take care of yourself, Randall. Hey, you as well. Yeah. Always. All right, man. Later, dude. Later. So yeah, this it's why the the thing that I hate the most. Like if I go back in time and stop one fucking thing from happening, it's definitely Gavril Princip. I, I want a piece of that motherfucker because all of this shit right now, even the division of the Middle East, 
Because if you look at it this way, like I didn't even think of it. we were going to get into World War One, and now I can't shut the fuck but up. But it's your favorite. It is my favorite because it all <laughs> goes back to that. It all goes back to that because if you don't have World War One happen the way it did, the Ottoman Empire crumbles on its own, but there's no Sykes-Picot. If there's no Sykes-Picot, there's no yep. division of the Middle East. Then there's no Versailles Treaty. Then there's no Versailles exactly. Treaty, and then we don't have some fucking Austrian corporal who hates Jews, who can't even paint right, get in charge. <laughs> right, fuck the whole world up. Yeah, thank Thanks. For the next hundred of years. God damn it. Okay, all right. I'm done. Thank you. I, 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 I won't talk about Gavrila Princip anymore. Sorry, guys. Um, <clears throat> what I think is interesting, though, is, um, I mean, there's so much to be said about World War One. It really is. But if you read uh, Great Wars and Great Leaders, I think it is. I'm pretty sure that's a book by Ralph Rako, my favorite historian. He sort of paints the picture where he puts a lot of blame on um, – uh, 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 Ferdinand, and he says that yeah, he was he promised a lot of these Slavs independence, and as soon as he took the throne, he co- sort of backtracked a lot on that, and that's what sort of created the nationalism, the hostility that led to his assassination. But um, in my mind, for what it's worth, the turning point really, it, 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 World War One would have been a continental war. It would have been confined to Europe if it hadn't been for Woodrow Wilson. Yep. Or more more accurately, if it hadn't been for Winston Churchill, who was the first Secretary of the Navy for the English at the time, and he sort of goaded uh, Wilson into uh, having the Americans join the war. And the Americans didn't have one. We wanted nothing to do with it. Uh, Wilson sort of dragged the American people kicking and screaming into this war, and that's what. The American entrance into World War One is what tilted the scales so heavily in the Allies' favor, which allowed yep. for such a disproportional treaty like Versailles. Yep. So once again, we see Woodrow Wilson, the sort of uh, ringleader of this whole shitstorm that we have today of the global economic collapse. He really is. It, it all really goes back to him. But then you could take that even further back and say, well, if there wasn't any Lincoln and there wasn't any... Uh, uh, Bismarck, then there wouldn't be a Wilson. And I think that there's something to be said for that case as well. But I don't know how deep into the historical lexicon you guys want to go. Uh, I don't mind going at all as, as far as it needs to be. But the thing, the problem, correct me if I'm wrong, you're looking at it, it like Wilson ran on not getting in like he he ran he ran a, and his second election was a very close it wasn't as as blown out as people think it was close and he ran on the fact that he kept this out of the war he's like hey we you know we're we don't we're not getting involved we're not yep. going over there and he ran on that he ran on that platform but if from my understanding the money that was getting loaned out to Great Britain and to France was in jeopardy because in 1917 you have the great French uh, mutiny of all the troops because these assholes who were in charge just kept saying they said attack 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 the only thing in the french manual was attack and there's a there's a great book called uh verdun uh by john moser he is a uh, re, uh historical revisionist uh, historian that goes through and there's new information that has come out over time and the germans were actually doing far better than even the the, the censorship was so bad with the french that the people who who needed real information, not the propaganda to give to the newspapers, but needed real information, weren't getting accurate information because the commanders 
were not telling the truth about the whole time. Like I had, like they have record. They finally released them because they're. That's how fucking ashamed they are. That it took almost a hundred years for them to start coming to terms with how bad they fucked up. That the Germans were chewing away at them by centimeters, by centimeters, by centimeters. They just kept coming, and then the Germans, when they figured out that they that the advance was going to stop, especially after Verdun, they did exactly what uh, the French what the French said that they didn't do. They're like, we're going to bleed you white by taking Verdun. Well, they took Verdun. They didn't realize they were going to be so successful. And, and then the French lost their fucking mind taking it back. They, I mean, they, that's why you have the sacred way, uh, the, the, the route that all the trucks were running right. up there to get all the ammunition up there uh, and all the troops and whatnot. And that was, I think, nine months long, I believe. It was the longest. It's not even a battle, I think, that most historians classify it as a siege. Um, but the problem is is that uh, the Germans were better at doing, and the film 1917 de- uh, actually details this, the Germans were a bite-and-hold uh, team. I, I mean, I, I, that's the only way I can... They're a team that they, they grabbed territory and they fucking sunk their teeth in. They had better entrenchments, they had better, they, they had better fortifications, and the French just kept fucking throwing people at machine gun nests. Like, they are just keep going. Yeah. Keep going, keep going, yeah. keep going. I mean, even the beginning of the war, there's colorized photographs. These fuckers were wearing crimson red pants into battle, like these queer yeah. seers. They were wearing like like Napoleonic uniforms right. into war. Like they <laughs> they were so unprepared. And you know, the Germans, yeah, they had the pickle halba, you know, the ridiculous Prussian style helmets. That shit was gone <laughs> after 1915. Like, uh, yeah, right. we're not going to be deflecting cavalry sabers with these fucking helmets, you guys. <laughs> we need something a little bit more, uh, that makes more sense, right. and that's where you get the Stahlhelm. But uh, anyway, I'm sorry. That's kind of my bailiwick. That was a big part of my undergraduate study. So you have to anybody who uh, you know, that, whenever you hear these people call the French cowards, just point them in the, in the direction of Verdun and, and and have them examine what the French put up with and what they sacrificed at Verdun. Yep. Uh, because the casual, they 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 took some. I, I I don't want to say the wrong numbers for the listeners out there, but it's it it was comparable to the like the entire casualty list of like the average american war wow uh, it might even be a little bit higher just just the french alone uh you know the other thing too i think and this is just my own personal theory on on, on a lot of this is that by the way before i even get into all that i mean there's so much to be said with this wilson uh he he, he when he got reelected, and he's telling people that he's look i kept you out of the war it was all bullshit he, he was a liar. He's, he was he got into politics as a liar. He left politics as a liar. And what he was doing was uh, sort of kind of what Roosevelt was doing to the English, right? He was just trying to, like, help them behind the scenes. Yep. So uh, one of the biggest tragedies in American history is the Lusitania. And that story is, like, so depressing because the Germans knew, everybody knew, except for the American public, the only people who kept out of the dark were the people in this country, that we were running guns to the British across the Atlantic. That was just common knowledge. So the Germans, the last thing they wanted was America to get into this war because they knew it was the end of them. So they took out advertising space in all the different newspapers in America, every newspaper you could think of, saying, hey, don't get on the Lusitania. We're gonna, we're gonna blow this ship up if we find it. And if you're on it, you're gonna die too. So, of course, what does Woodrow Wilson do? He censors the entire, uh, every newspaper he, he pulls. Uh, the only one that got through 
there, there's an old copy of like the Des Moines Register where it actually th- that ad actually did run, and thank God it did because now we now we can point to Wilson. We could say, look, here's the evidence that this man is responsible for dead Americans. But you know, it, at the time, it didn't matter, and it led us into World War One, and and it was just a real shit show, obviously. But the other uh, factor in all this, Wilson's father was a Confederate soldier. Yep. And he, 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 he took pride in, in that a lot. And I think part of it, this is just like I said, this is my own personal theory that even to this day, if you look at it, right, the, the, the military largely is composed of Southerners, patriotic people, right? So how do you get somebody to, uh, who feels betrayed by their country like the Southerners did in the post-Reconstruction era, how do you get them to feel some sort of loyalty or some sort of fealty towards the state again? Well, you have them fight for it. So a lot, in my mind, part of the reason why, in Wilson's mind, that we entered World War One was the idea that, okay, we can get the Southerners back under the, the American flag, right? And no longer were they, will they celebrate uh, or, or are they going to like uh, uh, long for the days of secession? And it sort of played out that way, too. I think Vicksburg, Mississippi, the... They didn't celebrate uh, July Fourth until uh, after World War Two, so yeah, it worked. Absolutely, it worked. yeah. No, I remember that. That was that was a phenomenal piece. Uh, how long they held on to that? That's you know that's a really good point. That that's I that's something I never considered. That which makes Mr. Wilson even more insidious than he originally was, which is hard to me. do. Which is incredibly hard to do because he is America's worst president. At least I mean, it, it doesn't get any worse than what what's all what's also funny is that. I don't know if, like you said, like he's uh, he's the son of a. He grew up in Reconstruction, if I'm not mistaken, in Richmond, in Virginia, because he's not a native New Jerseyan. Like he moved to Princeton. He's not from right. New Jersey. I'm from what I understand, he was one of the most racist presidents that that that, w- that we ever had, at least in the modern era. Well, all, all all progressives have been, and they continue to be. I mean, uh, just look at just you know the average progressive who who loves. Teddy Roosevelt, I just wish they picked up one of his speeches because the man was virulently racist. Um, perhaps the only more racist president we've ever had um, was another progressive, uh, Abraham Lincoln, right? A, an avowed white supremacist. So all of these progressives were racist. And if you look today, all of their policies today are racist, right? That's why they pushed minimum wage and gun control and all of these policies that have terrible racist effects. Yeah, well said. Uh, does anybody have anything else they would like to add at, now that we have completely uh, gone super deep? We did a uh, deep dive already an hour in. <laughs> you, you know what? It's, it's important, though. Sorry. Just, it's important, though, that we cover things like revisionist history because, right. you know, and logic, too. We started talking about logic. This is exactly – and this is the point I made on The Goose the last episode. One of the things I remember Sam saying – or I think I made it to the crew afterwards – uh, one of the things I remember Sam saying, don't ask me to find it because I won't be able to, but he says something to the effect of you take a little bit of logic, a little bit of revisionist history and some economics, you stir it up in a pot and boom, you have agorism. So I, I, a lot of times, and I'm guilty of it too, agorists don't spend enough time talking about history and they should because that is really what it, what exposes the horrors of the state. If the average person didn't hear about the you know any of the things that we've just spoken about, they're probably sitting at home with their jaw on the floor right now. You know, and that's the sort of eye-opening shock that we have to hit them with, in my opinion, at least. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I I think it's absolutely crucial because once you get a grip on that, 
you could put the pieces together. You know, it's up for me. It's almost like a jigsaw because once you get one rolling, uh, you know, in the right spot, then everything starts to come together. You know, instead, of, it's always like it's better to have the panoramic as opposed to the Polaroid. You know, you have to exactly. see the entire shot, not just a portion of it. So I couldn't agree with you more. But uh, I'm sorry, Chris, go ahead. What were you going to say, buddy? I forget. <laughs> I'm sorry. My bad. <laughs> no, you're all right. You're all right. You're all right. Uh, Angel, do you have anything else you'd like to add? Um, I was going to say something, but I can't remember what it was about. We're fucking 0 for 2 oh. now. Yeah, no. no like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, it, it'll I, was in, I, was, I was into listening mode and then forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I was thinking it was going to come to me, but I don't think it's going to. Okay. I, I think it's gone. We're going to start passing Sorry. out the fucking Ginkgo Globe or whatever the fuck I, that I, shit's I called. <laughs> like, I have to tell you, man. Like, I just, for some reason... I just it it just leaves it just leaves. There's I a lot going I, on. I, I, I remember what I was gonna say. So Go on. Go like on. obviously, like it's like another reason why like like history is absolutely like so important because like you're not taught any of this shit in school. Nope. You know what I mean? Like you're not taught. Like you have to like put in like and, and I guess that's why like your average person doesn't know is because they're not willing to put in the time to like read about any of this shit or or they just right. flat out don't give a fuck. You know. Until you point certain things out to them, you know what I mean? Like, if somebody has any sort of curiosity about them whatsoever, you start talking about this stuff, and they go out and do some of the research for themselves, you know what I mean? Like, like I can't tell you in my adult life, like, how many things that I've, like, found out about history that, like, like you know, for lack of a better term, like, literally made, my sh- made me shit my pants. And I'm like, Same I don't remember here, yeah. learning any of this. Like, you don't learn any of this stuff in school. And it's like, what, what the fuck? No, I, like, I never remember learning anything real substantial about communism like i remember learning the term do you know what i mean like definitions and terms and things and things like that but like there there were no no um you know we didn't learn about mao we didn't learn you know about any of that stuff you know it was kind of or if we did i just don't remember which is possible but like i mean we never that was never discussed there was no you know discussion about like the deaths of you know millions upon millions of people and i think that if we were taught some of those things people would be a little bit more cautious to go down that route as they are now because they think it's all about helping each other or you know at least i think it's about helping themselves they don't really think about other people they think about how they're going to benefit from that type of society and they don't really think about anything outside of themselves and that's where i think a lot of people get drawn in because they think oh yeah we're going to help people but mostly i'm going to benefit from all of this free shit right you know it's funny because we didn't they didn't teach us about mao and the horrors of communism but they did teach us how to pass a standardized test so that the teachers (laughs) union can get more funding next year you know yeah yeah like you said it's all about them yeah, it's a hundred percent true. When I, I'm a recovering Marxist, uh, when I was a, a young kid, I was a member of the Socialist Party USA uh, for two years, from 19 till I was uh, 21. So from 1999 till 2001, shortly before 9/11, and uh, I remember one of the most uh, crucial moments of that was now, mind you, this is before we like we had like chat, like like you know, message boards and shit like that on the internet. Nothing like it is now. There was no social networking. So a lot of literature, like I don't know if anybody's familiar with the name of Gus Hall. Gus Hall was the chairman of the Communist Party of the USA. I think he was thrown in jail a couple of times for his affiliation with the Communist Party USA. A lot of the leaflets that were passed around at meetings and stuff were written by Gus Hall. 
And I remember, like, you know, there's like a lot of Stalinist apologists back then. And even me, like, I was like, man, he's really not that nice of a guy. You know, I, and that was before what opened my eyes was the Ukrainian Holocaust. When I, when I, yeah, I, when I read that they killed, now I, I know that, quote, official state estimates only put it at about 700,000. That's a fucking lie. Okay. It was only. 7 million. It was 7 million uh, people starved to death in one year. And that was during the collectivization of, uh, of, of the farmlands. Uh, you know, basically any forward. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's the first five year plan, I guess you would want to call it um, <laughs> right. to the point it was so then, then bad. They all wound up working at Hooters. Is that, Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Is that where the five year plan? I know. I was just thinking that, is that where the five year plan comes from? Like, yeah. It's a so it's, <laughs> it's a product of the Soviet union. I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, the great leap forward was, was Mao. That was him. Okay. And that was 60 million people, by the way, that was six zero. Yeah. That was Genghis Khan. Number Numbers in a shorter amount of time. Um, yeah. But when I learned about the Ukrainian Holocaust and there were propaganda posters by the Communist Party of the Ukraine that said, do not eat your children because kids were starving to death and the parents were literally eating their children. There were people were digging humans out of the graveyards and eating dead people Ugh. like it. Uh, when yeah. I, that was <laughs> that was it for me. Like, I've been a recovering right. Marxist ever since. I'm like, uh, no, I can't do this. You know, there's uh there's a great book. I'm telling you, it's one of the best books I've ever read. I really can't recommend it. It's the only book I've ever read in one day. It's called uh, A River in Darkness. It's by Masaji Ishikawa. And he is a North Korean defector. And it's his whole life story. And it's, it, I just could not put As soon as I picked up the book, I couldn't put it down. And um, I'm going to get a little graphic here. But this is a, I'm only going to just to illustrate how horrible communism is. One of the things he says that they do over there is that they actually uh, will take the bark off of a pine tree and eat it. <clears throat> and the thing is, pine bark is poisonous for humans, but you don't have a choice. It doesn't kill you, but it makes you very sick. And one of the things he says that they have to do over there is you can't actually shit if you eat pine bark. So they actually have to dig their fingers into their own asses oh, so they God. can have a bowel movement. And he said, that's when he said enough is enough. And he's like, I'd rather get caught. I'd rather get shot crossing the river into China. And that's basically how the book goes. Um, like, I, I hate to make a joke of the situation, but it's like, that's where I draw the line is digging my own poops out of my asshole. That is the line in the sand for me. God damn it. For, I know, which is funny because for me, the line was the no child left behind act. So it just goes to show you how different our tolerances are. <laughs> Some people draw the line and dig the poops out their own ass. <laughs> yeah, that's but, true. Uh, you know, the other the other point there though is that um you know, it's absolutely awful that these communists have starved these people to death. But it's important not to forget that our government does it too. Um Churchill uh with his blockade of the Germans in uh I think it was World War Two, starved he was starving them out to death. That's that's what his plan was. And it worked. It worked. That's what the ATF did. If you go back and you look at the transcripts at Waco, one of the things they say, uh, one of these murderers says to the other murderer, um, you know, they, they eventually they're going to get hungry. Eventually they'll have to come out. That's what Grant did at Vicksburg, right? It was just, yep. it was, he was just trying to, he was starving them. They, they'll do it to their own people. They've done it before. So starving is starving people is one of the greatest tools that the state has. And Stalin was just much more effective at using it than uh, most Western politicians. 
Yeah, that's 100% true, and it's 100% tragic. I, I wrote down that, and that will be in the show notes. I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle that because, you know, it's, you know, there's so many, like, I know that you and I, like, we, we've all read enough stories now to where they almost run together. Like, I have to keep, I have to figure out which one happened in China, right, which, yeah. which one happened in the Soviet Union, which one happened in Germany, which one, which hap- one happened in California. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Which uh, which one happened in Venezuela? There's a girl in our graduate uh, cohort. Uh, she's from Venezuela, and there was one of the kids in our class who, of course, was saying something uh, very net. Well, I mean, granted, the the uh, foreign policy of this country is fucking ridiculous, but that still doesn't excuse Maduro and what he's doing down there. Right. And and she and she got so angry. She's like, "We don't have toilet paper." There's no toilet paper. Like, she was pissed. And people are picking through garbage cans. Like, you can even see the images. Like, even the AP, they can't hide that one. People are digging through garbage to eat. And yet, but but hey, they have free health care. That's what's most important. Are there any, like, doctors or hospitals open still? (laughs) I don't know how how well you could uh, perform a surgical procedure when you're fucking starving. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I get jittery yeah, when I'm at work I, I operating a forklift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to reschedule this forklift delivery, you guys. I can't operate a forklift because I didn't have yeah. enough carbs for breakfast. You know, meanwhile, <laughs> this fucking doctor right. has, he's been eating fucking sewer rat for a month. Hey, comrade, we have an appendicitis. Oh, shit. Here we go. <laughs> right. Like, God damn it. I've been eating pine bark and I got to dig my own piece oh. out my own asshole. This is bullshit. <laughs> And on that note, I think I am I, I am all out. I, I have expended all of my energy. Chris, do you right. have anything else before we wrap it up? Uh, no, I threw in a couple poop jokes. I'm happy, bro. Outstanding. <laughs> Outstanding. And how about you, Miss Angel the Sound Girl? No, no, I don't have anything. Thank you for asking. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap it up here. Uh, Sal, it is always a pleasure to have you on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Please keep doing the excellent w- the work that you do on twitter especially like no matter what man like you have done so much to spread the agoras message like at you and then you know you got pete on board and you know the signal just keeps getting bigger and bigger so even if the ancaps get upset i mean you know what it, it, that's just tough shit We're well just they gonna can go more. they can just go fuck themselves there's always that yeah. option so um, you got anything you want to plug sal yeah please plug away dude uh, all my stuff, you can find it at SalveAgoras.com, um, the Agora podcast, and Libertarian blog, and I sell 3D printers for cryptocurrency at 3dprintergoburr.com. Outstanding. Uh, in closing, I would like to uh, give a special shout out and hello to our inter- international listeners, especially from France, who's been downloading the absolute shit out of our show. Uh, speaking of foreign listeners, no offense to our California listeners. I've asked you guys several fucking times to write the show and tell me what's happening over there. You too, Washington State. You guys, I've asked you a couple of times, please Right into the show. I want to know what's happening out there. We got listeners in Oregon. You might as well be occupied territory. Come talk to us, please. We'd love we will have you on. Yeah, we seriously have no idea what the fuck is still happening, like in in like Seattle and all of those different areas. There's all these like protests going on. We don't know why there's protesting. Yeah, you can write us at info at useguyspod.com. Uh, uh, special shout out once again to France, Australia, Spain, the United Kingdom, Romania, Belgium, Brazil, Greece, Holland, Sweden, Finland, and and Canada, Poland, Germany, a new download out of Russia. Thank you, comrade. 
uh, and Portugal. Uh, special shout out once again to our patron Jason, uh, our friend down in uh, Australia at JT Libertas, also known as a narco Australian, and my buddy Paul B from Beat Town, who sends me about 15 text messages. Paul, you need to write that fucking book for me. You can find us on Twitter at J Colo, J A Y C O L E A U. Chris is at the Bloodletting. And Angel is Angel underscore Soundgirl, and Randy is Randy Rand underscore Duh underscore Man. And once again, Sal is at Sally Mayweather. Insta is Sal.the.agorist and SalTheAgorist.com. You can find us at useguyspod.com. Thank you very much. Check out our store. Check out our recommended reading. It's fucking excellent. And uh, thanks for the support, and we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Peace. Yeah!